Hello everyone, welcome back to another episode of No Choice, Love Yourself podcast. I'm Pragya, your host. I find it really cute that I introduce myself properly now every single time. At first I just showed up and I was like, let's go. So <laughs> uh, today we have a really, really special guest. Um, we have Megan on with us and Megan is a 2-4 emotional generator, uh, triple split, and we'll, we'll let Megan talk about her design a little bit, but Megan is also the founder of um, Sleeping Phoenix Publishing. Why am I stumbling on this? I have no idea, <laughs> but yeah, that's so incredible because this is a publishing house specifically dedicated to publishing books in the human design space and I was really really excited to have Megan on um, because I just want to know how all of this got started and kind of you know what you're building towards but before any of that let's just let's just start from the absolute beginning when did human design come into your life and what your journey has been so far with it? Mm -hmm. So I remember very clearly the first moment that I was introduced to human design. It was the very beginning of 2019. Um, I had been introduced to Gene Keys the year before, but when I tried to read a little bit more about it, I, was, I just didn't get it. It didn't click. So I had already had that kind of percolating in the background. And so one day I used to follow uh, a Canadian doula who lives in Melbourne, Australia. And she shared a post one day, I'm a manifesting generator. And I was like, what is this? What is this about? And someone had introduced her to Jenna Zoe. And so as so many of us, uh, the first introduction to human design came through somehow through Instagram via Genozoe. And then we just kind of take it from there and figure out who it is that we actually want to learn from and all of that. But that was the very first introduction. And so when I started to dive deeper into it, I went to Jovian archive to mybodygraph.com and started plugging in everything and it clicked. Gene keys didn't click. I think if I went back to it now, I would be able to kind of take that in for what it is. But as a system, it was too much. So when human design came along, I was like, this I get. And this is amazing. And I just dove down that rabbit hole. So since the very beginning of 2019. Wow. Yeah. And it's interesting. You know, I don't often hear people say that they were they first encountered jinkies and then human design showed up because it's usually the other way around. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I mean that's that's really interesting and it does have a way of it does have a way of speaking to you you know design if it's really meant for you it does capture something within you almost immediately and you know us two fours we're not really big on investigating but something about uh, about it calls out to us something yeah. about it is just really speaking to something deeply mystical and spiritual within us that we don't even have words for, that we don't even have recognition of, to be honest. Mm -hmm. But it does have a way of truly capturing you. And so 
when you did find it and you did go down this rabbit hole of looking at everything and kind of made, what was the thing that like spoke to you the most like what stood out the most what was the most transformative I, I couldn't even say it was just as a whole it made complete sense it's it as a system it's something that feels logical so you can understand it it's when you try to explain it to people who don't know anything about human design yet, like the easiest thing to say is it's literally circuitry. If you think of a circuit board and the way that electricity moves through it, you know, these things, the switch is on all the time and other things, the switch can be turned on or off. It's not a consistent, it's just so simple. <laughs> and that as a basis makes it so much easier to jump into the more mystical the more philosophical the more all the other applications that human design has when you have that very simple mechanical basis it makes it that much easier to understand and and to connect to and then take it where you need to take it as an individual i think gene keys didn't click because it was it's like a next level up it doesn't explain the mechanics of it really it explains the more spiritual spiritual side of ourselves and i needed to connect first with the well why does that even exist like what's the foundation part of that and now that that i think most of that foundation is laid when people talk about gene keys or when i get an email or anything i can take that information in but in the beginning when i was looking at the the sequences and the like what <laughs> does this all mean so it was just the simplicity of the body graph how visually it makes so much sense visually you can look at it and figure out so many things yeah that really helped me yeah that's that's a really interesting point that you bring up and you know you do you you do have this channel of curiosity up there which has to do with the left eye which is the eye that is visually oriented and of course it's it's, it's not like the right eye which is very which is what like I can really understand when when I saw the chart and even though I couldn't understand all the little parts I was like oh god like something about this visually just really speaks to me and of course you could see so many like little patterns in there right and you could see like it's all connected in a certain way and of course that would mean something and and all of that but in your design you do you you have two tribal channels mm -hmm. uh and one um abstract collective circuitry channel sensing circuit right and so of course there is this visual element to your design as well um but it has a lot to do with storytelling and it has a lot to do with you know looking at life with a sense of curiosity and also trying to make sense of it retrospectively. And so I'm wondering when you did look at all of this and you started to make sense of this, like was there this process of going back into the past and trying to put the puzzle pieces together? 100%, yes. Yes, because then you start plugging in the charts of people that you know, like past relationships to try and figure out like what was the connections there what what were we in sync with or what wasn't in sync and now that I can see this person's design I can understand why 
things went down the way they did, why this person is the way they are and how that interacted with how I am. Of course, I had to go retrospect, you know, like go back to all these important relationships and, and see people's charts and be like, oh, that explained, and you know, ruminating for sure. Not just like thinking about it, but ruminating. <laughs> like that's something I do a lot because I, I think for me, it's part of that processing to go over a conversation or a situation until the new nuggets of information come out. Like every time you go back and revisit something, you discover something new. It's like a film or a TV show or a book that you revisit after a while. And every time you're like, I didn't notice that before, or I didn't have this other context that I have lived through now that gives me a new understanding so that I can understand this thing that I thought I was familiar with in a totally different way. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, that's pretty much everyone's um, like experience with design, regardless of what your circuitry is, because although it is so like clear on the surface, I mean, the more you go into it, the more you realize how deep it really goes. And of course, what you see at first is going to be so different from what you end up seeing eventually and you being an emotional authority and also a triple split. I think there is an added element of slowness, processing over and over, over a long time and, you know, coming to new truths again and, you know, going deeper every time you touch base with something that you probably touched base with years ago, right? Yeah. Um, and so what I'm also wondering is what was it like finding out that you're an emotional being and specifically with your channel of intimacy, if I remember correctly, it is half conscious and half unconscious, right? Mm -hmm. So the experience of, of, being someone that can break barriers isn't very conscious, isn't something that potentially you were very aware of. And so, you know, what was it like coming to that truth? And what was it like sort of looking back at your life and kind of realizing why certain, you know, things happened in the way that they did? That they did and why did I feel like, I could really get so close to people. And of course, the experience of that is not always positive, right? Because when we don't know about our strategy and authority, we can find ourselves being really up close and personal with people, with situations that are actually not really good for us. And mm -hmm. we can potentially find ourselves in really vulnerable places too, I've found with, with that channel and with not being aware of how the mechanics really work. So... Yeah, I'd love to hear your, your reflections a little bit about on that. Mm -hmm. A few things come to mind. Um, first, it's the 59 that's unconscious. It's my design moon, 59.2. And I have the six twice on the personality side. So that's the conscious side of the channel. It's my Venus. Venus is 6.6 six, and Mars. 6-2. And when I, when I started to, you know, go back and review how has this showed up in my life, it really clicked for me. The Venus 6-6 went through a third line phase. And I can, when I look back on my 
early sexuality, like when my sexual life began, it's so obvious. It's so obvious that I was in a third line phase. And, and also the fact that the 59 is unconscious because it was just like, I would get into a situation with someone who wasn't correct for me. Well, wasn't healthy for me. It wasn't entered in a healthy way. I, who knows if things are correct or not. Like some things just have to happen because they happen. It doesn't feel good, but that doesn't mean it's incorrect. Um, and just, you know, as soon as my sacral got sparked up, had some, it was like there, the train was not going to stop. Even if, if up here consciously, I was like, this is not going to end well. I couldn't do anything about it. Um, so that's one thing about the 59.6. The other is I can also really tell how it is emotional situations that set off that wave. Like it's truly an emotional channel. It's personal interactions with other people that set off my wave. And I can also tell that since I have an undefined G and a defined ego, how those two things also really play into how those personal interactions with other people set off that wave because they can, those, the defined ego, if I, and I can, I can, I can tell the difference, I think, between when I'm feeling emotional in an ego way and when I'm feeling emotional for me, when I get emotional about, and it feels, I can tell the ego is involved. It's because I'm not, it's not personal to me. I'm upset or indignant or something on behalf of someone else. I've seen someone that something that's happening that I don't think is an integrity that is not, you know, good for the tribe or good for my community. And that's what kind of revs up that emotional wave. So I can tell the difference between when it's an ego having a play in there because I, I, I have a hanging 40. So sometimes that 37 gets connected and then all that tribal energy is going directly to 37 is one of my bridging gates and the 22. So I, and the 36, I get hooked up to those a lot. Like right now, I, 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 I am trying to be more aware of what exactly is happening specific to the 59.6, but I haven't had a transit free, uh, since I learned about human design, either the 22 or the 36 has been defined by a super long transit. So this whole time that I've been in the experiment, there's that constant definition of these other two channels. So I can't always tell the difference when I'm feeling emotional, if it's one of these other transit defined channels or by some, you know, someone else who's defining that with me, or if it's truly the 59.6. But if I really think about it, I think I can tell. I think I can tell what that it's like the channel that's indigenous to me. That is mine, the 59.6. What's the difference that you feel within yourself? I think like 1222 and 35 
obviously the 12 and the, and the 35 have a huge influence me, on me as well, especially they're hanging in a defined throat. But those affect me more like those energies playing out in an electromagnetic with someone else or a, a compromise with someone else who has either the full channel or the 36 or the 22. The 36 can really get me. I get into really those relationships uh, romantically anyway, are I can, I, there's a pattern there as well. So usually those are playing out through interactions with other people. The, those that are hooking up to my hanging gates. For the 596, it feels like it's it's me and it's something that I've lived my whole life. So that energy is very familiar. That emotional wave is very familiar. And it has to do with me and only with me. It may, you know, it's, it's set off by an interaction with someone else, but it's not an interplay. That the emotional wave is not an interplay with someone else. It gets set off, but then it's all me. Yeah, it's either like an openness to to be close, to to be intimate, or or not. Right, mm -hmm. that's a very personal clarity that that you have about um, how you're feeling in in around someone or in your life, or how open you feel, etc. But you know, even when the other two are not, and I'm, by the way, I have uh, the 22 and the 35. So I have a lot of experience with those two <laughs> emotional ways myself. In fact, yeah, I don't remember, like, I mean, for for a very long time, I've had my solar plexus defined for a very, very, very long time as well. And so what I've kind of witnessed about the other two waves is like transitoriness, <clears throat> has a way of getting me quite unexpectedly, like in the sense that it's not a wave that comes along often, you know, mm -hmm. like it's, it's got that, like, it's, it's, it's one of those large waves, right. Where it takes its time to kind of build the expectation and, you know, then the disappointment happens, but it's something that comes along like after a while. And so it would almost feel like, Oh, you know, I'm I'm not craving change. I'm not like everything is fine. I'm okay with my mundane life. And suddenly one day out of nowhere, it's like, oh shit, actually, I would love a new experience right now. And right now I have the entire stream of feeling. So because I also have 30. And so I just have this intense feeling of like, I cannot tell you how many holidays I've planned mentally. <laughs> how many plans I've like, I want to. I want to experience how, how to cook a certain kind of cuisine. I want to go watch this movie. I want to be out with my friends. I want to have new experiences, right? And so it's it's one of those ones that just out of nowhere just hits you. And it's so difficult to not, to not go with it, right? Because right now, because I have the awareness of it, I can look at me like scrolling through my like different websites and like looking at different uh, plane tickets and all of that. But I'm not I'm not doing anything about it right without without an invitation. But I know for so long in my life growing up, I used to make spontaneous plans all the time. And now I can just chalk it down to, oh, 
you know i have a very high chance of having this stream activated and it was very difficult for me to resist that because i just felt like i needed new experiences in my life and with the 1222 for me that's that really is just all about romance and i know i also have an undefined g right and so there is this this tendency to to think that someone else outside of me can bring me something that will make me feel more grounded and settled and um mm. just i think centered within myself uh but the 20 to 12 also has a way of just like tuning up the volume on like romance and poetry like all of those like individual frequencies where i just feel like i want to be touched deeply you know with something really beautiful and poetic and all of that so yeah i think these the ways are really different from each other and mm-hmm. the deeper you do get in your experiment like you know it's it's not just the emotional folks that get to experience all of this it's all of us because you know mm-hmm. a lot of us will have different activations and you know the potential to experience such different kind of conditioning and the deeper you start to witness it the more you realize just how different they are and they have their own flavor and of course it gets even more nuanced with like the line that you have in that right mm-hmm. so it's really fascinating to be able to witness that and it's really cool that right that within yourself you're kind of getting to that place where it's like yeah i know which which emotional wave is truly mine and which are the ones that i'm getting to experience through other people or transits and you being a triple split you're going to experience this quite often yes it's really it's it's a huge pattern when i you know that whole part of you know i've found human design and now i can find out things about other people uh a huge pattern emerged when i would put in the charts for all of the men that i had been you know have interacted with and so many of them bridge one of those at least one of those splits most of them have two channels uh and i can tell like the flavor of the relationships when someone has like a combination of a 36 and a 37 or a 36 and a 27 or or someone who has the 22 27 it's i can tell the difference but there are clear patterns that i'm attracted to people who have those channels or gates and there's another huge pattern of people who have at least one or two electromagnetic connections to my g center that one is huge that one really that one gets me because my incarnation cross is all in my g and so someone who lights that up who i it's I I would say that it's more specifically people who have electromagnetics and not mm, I mean anyone who who lights it up I'm going to feel it but it's particular with people who have electromagnetics with with me in the G center it's like searching for that love and direction is like finally I feel like you said before someone outside of me can ground me and I finally can like get in touch with myself and ground myself because that person is there and that person being there is going to help me to grow as a person because now i have consistent access to me to myself 
through this other person. And it's really interesting. And it makes it harder to let those relationships go. But uh, yeah, that's a heavy duty one. Yeah, I also have one of those incarnation crosses where it's like, yeah, none of none of the gates of my cross are actually in defined centers. And so I really know when someone like comes and rarely is it for me because, you know, like I have the gates scattered everywhere, one in the heart, one in the spleen, two in the root. So rarely do I have this this one person just show up and have everything laid up. But I do recognize a few relationships like that. And it it really does feel incredibly difficult to, to let that go. And again, it's visceral, you know, it's not like you're mentally like thinking about how, how perfect you are in that relationship or how good you feel, but it's just, it's just this feeling of something's right here, yeah. you know, like, Something that wanted to come through me is coming through me and that feels good. Uh, and it can be so tricky without strategy and authority, right? I mean, when I look back on my relationships and my friendships and how I engage with people, like, wow, it was a whole different, complete, like completely different way of living life. And again, you know, that was part of my journey at that point of time. There's no shame. You know, I feel no shame attached to how things were and the experiences I went through. But man, I could not do that today. Like it because <laughs> it just, it's so obvious to me when it's incorrect. It's like yuck, you know, like it just feels like and I can just you get so good at witnessing your mind as well. Right. I mean, before I mean, we all come from different backgrounds. So some people are you know, indoctrinated into say Buddhism or like certain ways of being and certain spiritual paths or religious paths where there is this this teaching of watch the mind, right? Mm -hmm. And but I feel like a lot of the people are not really being able to do that unless you're specifically like, you know, when it gets really like clear of how to do what to do with the watching as well. And what are you yeah. watching for? right mm -hmm. and and now it's just it's it's people ask me like do you meditate and I just tell them like my life is a meditation you know in a sense and maybe that's very inner vision of me but <laughs> there is this feeling of um watching everything you know this this sense of kind of taking a seat back from being like really up close and personal with life like that like oh my God, I need to control it. I need to make it happen. I need to do this and I need to be this. And, you know, I need to meet life in order for life to progress. And now there's this feeling of, I guess what Ra says is relaxation. You know, there's just, let me just sit back a little. Let me just watch. And the deeper that you get into it, the more you can watch. And the more you can watch, the more obvious it becomes how incorrect the way that you were operating was mm -hmm. and so I'm wondering like you've been in design for for a decent amount of time when did you kind of feel like this sense of relaxation start to was it immediate because I know for some people it happens that way as well but when did you start to feel more relaxed in your body and and be able to truly witness not just your mind but life for for what it is 
I think it's been over the past two years, the last two years that I really started to relax into strategy and authority, like really give myself the permission to wait because with two pressure centers undefined, uh, it's really hard to let myself ride a wave. There's so many, like up until the past two years, there almost every time I made a decision, it felt like a pressurized decision. And I knew, I would know like that I was doing it from a place of feeling nervous and like uh, I'm FOMO. And over the last two years, it's, it has been relaxing. It has been, it takes off so much mind pressure to know, like, this is my route, wanting to get things done right away, being afraid that if I don't jump on it now, that the opportunity will pass. I mean, like, you know what, we can chill out and wait because I'm learning to know that sensation in my body of, I'm still missing information. And I need to wait for the information to come in. Now it's very clear to me and it's, it can still be hard to wait, but now I'm aware of, you know, this is happening. And so it's better to keep waiting, even though it's hard to do so. Because when that information comes in, then things will click and and my body will move itself forward with that information. If I'm still feeling confusion, if I'm still feeling like a, mm, I'm not sure, like a, I, I, within myself, I, I know like it's this emotional seeing into the future. I, you know, there's that nugget of truth in the now, but it still requires that extra information. And so I've gotten better at waiting that sensation out and being like, this is the feeling when I know that there's still something missing. It's not time yet. If I force this now, I'm going to pay the price for it later. So only do it if I'm willing to pay the price, because I can probably also foresee what the price to pay will be. (laughs) Do I really want that? (laughs) No, wait, remember to wait. You can do it. You can do it. (laughs) Yeah, it's a lot of that for us process based authorities, right? I do go through my own process of just reaching that place where whatever I'm saying fully lands you know in in my body and it's not just something that I'm like mentally interacting with it's something Mm. that my body accepts there's this feeling of you know relaxation is kind of the easiest way to describe and this feeling of of having like no ounce of doubt really that's how it feels for me and I know it would feel different for someone with emotional authority and one of the really like um helpful I guess analogy that I've heard was from Carol Zimmerman at IHDS and when she talked about it she says you know how we play that game where we have a box in front of us and there's just this pole and people put all sorts of objects inside it And you can't see what's inside it, but you put your hand inside it and you're supposed to guess what what is inside it. But when you touch it for the first time, you get an ounce of truth, like you maybe felt a little something, but you didn't get the feel of what it really is. And so you put your hand in again and you spend some time with it and you 
try to really like get a sense of what it's like. And I think that was really helpful for me to hear. It's like, okay, you know, you, you get a little something and then your, your feeling of that thing develops. And at some point of time, there is this, there is this sense of clarity that, yeah, I either want to proceed with this thing or it's, it's not for me. And that's, that's quite a process to go through because, you know, I, I mean, it's all fun and games in terms of putting your hand in a box and finding out what object is. Life doesn't work like that. No. You know, it's, it's decisions are complicated and involve a lot of factors. And often I'm surrounded by emotional people. I mean, half of the world is emotional. So of course we all are. I mean, I have a lot of experience of watching their decision-making and sometimes it just takes an awfully long time like and exactly. even when even when emotional people make the decision like they're still kind of making the decision even though they've made the decision like it just keeps developing and developing and developing so yeah I I wonder how how you experience it for yourself like I know you talked about it this this feeling of clarity and knowing it within yourself but you know what what do, what do people need to hear about emotional authority? Because there are so many people that get it, but don't quite get it. And I know that you have to be in the experiment to really get it for yourself because it's it's not like someone can explain it to you and you just get it. It's something that you have to be on the journey with yourself. But I'm wondering if there's something that that you can offer them that that can be helpful. I can't offer anything that might be general generalized uh, because I haven't felt, you know, I don't know what it's like to have the other waves constantly in, in my design. But for me, being emotional, I think the biggest gift that human design has given me is the gift of waiting, learning, learning to wait and learning is it's really altered my concept of time especially with a totally open route and you know it needs to be done if it hasn't happened already it's because it's not going to happen and that means something's wrong it's incorrect you know, but that's not true the our concept of time like we're so linear we've taught to be so linear about time and and you don't even have to be an emotionally defined person to understand that life as we already talked about it's spiralic these new I love these you know, comparisons of life with spirals, because, you know, the spiral staircase, every, every floor you go up, you're revisiting the same point, but from a new perspective, you've gained a whole bunch of new information on that twist around. And being emotional is like that, but it's not up here. It's in your body. So you're not even aware of those turns around the wheel that you're taking until some new moment of clarity comes out of nowhere and you understand something that you had been processing in the background for ages and then something you know finally it was it finished and it popped in and you're like wow okay now I get why that conversation from five years ago happened the way it did and 
you know, what the dynamic was, what, how I was in my not self or, you know, my nervous system was out of whack and I reacted in this way. So being emotional is it's, there's so many layers all, you know, you're processing so many things all at once. It's just constant. And we aren't, you know, it's not a conscious process. We only, even if we're overthinking about it over, if we're like, okay, I, I know. And we try to think about it and ruminate, it's not going to end up anywhere until that background process has finished because the, the clarity isn't going to drop in until it's ready on its own. So as much as we can sit around and think about things and ponder and ruminate, that's all it is. It's not going to speed up the emotional process. So it's just allowing ourselves to be in the depths and know that we can't know. The only certainty is uncertainty. We're never going to get a full picture. We get glimpses in the moment. We get clarity in the moment. Like that's what enlightenment is, is a moment. And then we go back into the real world and we continue processing until the next time, you know, enlightenment shine, rains down upon us and we're like, ah, oh, I understand it. And then we have to forget again. We couldn't function as human beings if we were enlightened all the time. It just doesn't work. That's not the point of humanity. That's not the point of personhood. I don't know if you've ever, there's this TV show called The Good Place. It's hilarious. It's one of those sitcom comedies that's, you know, 30 minute episodes. And it's about these people who have died, spoiler alert, um, and they think they've gone to heaven, but it turns out they're in hell. And the part of hell is them figuring out why heaven isn't what they thought it would be. You know, figuring out why if I did all these things, like, is this a joke? Did I really make it to heaven? And they're, then they try to actually get to heaven from hell. And when the characters finally reach heaven, everyone in heaven is bored as hell. They, they have nothing to live for. They have nothing to do. They're losing their memories because everything is perfect. If we don't have friction, if we don't have a bit of chaos here and there, if we don't have that uncertainty, if we don't have, you know, if, if, if we knew everything all the time, if we were omnipotent and omniscient, then there's no point. Yeah. So being emotional is, is that just being alive, basically. I love that so much. <laughs> I love that so much. And that kind of brings you to this really, really fundamental basic concept in human design, the concept of duality, the concept of this and that, the concept of no morality, you know. There is no place in human design that demonizes anything or puts anything on a pedestal. The way that it talks about life, the way that it talks about energy, the way that it talks about everything is very, there's this and there's that. And that's what it is. It's, it's, it's not good or bad, it's good and bad in that sense, you know? And again, what is that? That's not even what he means by that. It just means that there is an up and a down, you know, humans have this very, very, like language is really limited in when it when we start to 
really describe what life really is because again it's coming from the mental plane right language is really really mental and so the way that we use it to describe the human experience is very linear in that sense and very moralistic in that sense but actually the way that you framed it kind of like has this feeling of you know just just this feeling of like expansion that I experienced that's like okay yeah that's how deep you know the experience of being emotional really is it is not judging any feeling as good or bad it is not judging any moment as final or incomplete it is not looking at anything in a way where it's like this is it you know and I think that's really beautiful and what kind of what I heard coming from you is just wait you know that's the best advice that you can you can give to emotional people is it's not about mentally trying to figure out your wave it's not about you know like mentally trying to get to a place of clarity it's just about watching the clarity appear over time and really developing the discipline but also the capacity to sit with whatever is going on with you which of course mm -hmm. the world that we live in makes it extremely difficult mm -hmm. right and I, I don't know what episode I talked we talked about this but like true emotional depth and you know true emotional clarity is not something that we experience a lot in the world there's a lot of experience of emotional like premature you know emotional movement of emotional energy right that's what we get to experience as emotions but having been in this space and having interacted with people that have really gotten to that place of like being able to wait and again it doesn't have to be pleasant but actually mm -hmm. truly being able to wait and and then and just being around that just feels like such a deeply spiritual experience of life. And, you know, I mean, it's so clear to me that with the solar plexus mutation happening and with the solar plexus center going from being a motor to an awareness center in, in the raves, like there is this, I know that human beings are as far away from raves as possible, but I know I can just feel when when an emotional is just really, really in their process, just how deeply spiritual and just deep that experience is. And so it's it's really something else, right? And I'm I feel quite privileged to be surrounded by some people that can go that deep, you know. And that kind of brings me to the point of how, I mean, do you, are there any practices that you have that support you as you're moving through the wave, you know, because sometimes it can get extremely chaotic and overwhelming. And also the world doesn't allow you to slow down and to really feel what you're feeling. And so how do you support yourself through hmm your process that's a good question but I've been processing some things that you have said before and before I lose those thoughts <laughs> I want to speak to that first and then <clears throat> I can go more into self-care for emotionals um, <clears throat> when you were talking about your process you know and then finally being able to 
allow yourself to sit back and and observe things rather than feeling like you have to be in the thick of it to actually feel like you're doing something or you know and then when you talked about the binary the this and that it made me think about how people these days seem to have seem to struggle a lot with the concept of a binary and polarities and things they it, it they don't allow it to be a both end <clears throat> we can have the binary but the whole gray area between them still exists it's not like it's black or white and there can be no gray or there's only gray and maybe it's a good another good analogy for the emotional wave but from this to that this is the journey that we're taking as humans this to get to the other side and we get a moment of clarity and then we go back and we're up and down and up and down. And when when we're in that in-between space is when it feels chaotic, when it feels uncertain, when it feels like this is the majority of life is this space in between. And then we have those flashes of clarity when we get to the, oh, this is this. And then we go back and we're like, oh, and that's that. And everyone can, we, we all experience that, that gray area between the binary it's not just an emotional thing. I think everyone has their own way of, of going through it. And that is the, that to me, that gray space, what I was talking about before about being alive. That's the whole point of it is, is experiencing this. It's not to be enlightened. It's to be in the middle and, ex and, you know, experiencing the moment of clarity on this and the moment of clarity on that, and then going back into the thick of it. And that, you know, how deep can you go into the thick of it? Are you just kind of like doggy paddling on the surface? Or are you really going to like let yourself sink into it and enjoy it? Because if you can do that, like sit back and be like, this is happening. And I don't have to know. I don't have to understand. I can just feel it. That's the difference between a lot of people like, well, what's intuition? And what's my mind making up stories? And I think it's the same with our authorities authority that it be like it's just there in your body all of a sudden it's just there you're you're suddenly aware of it in your body and you didn't need to think about it at all if you came to it through a mental process or if you feel it and then you start to try and rationalize it and give it an explanation well then you've gone back into your mind but it's that you like you just feel it and it it just drops in it just is it just is. And so when you're in an emotional wave and the is that is right now is something that feels slow and thick and heavy and you don't feel like you can actually take the time that you need to move slow and let yourself feel heavy, just be thick around other people or, you know, be alone, it can be really hard. It can be really hard. And especially for those of us who have a lot of who in our charts and we need to hermit or any other thing. It's not exclusive to two either. There are other things that need alone time, need to be alone to process or to. I know that I start to get really stressed and really frazzled and really crabby when I don't get alone time. 
I think for me and my wave, as long as I am spending a lot of time doing things uh, particular to my routine, I have a, the gate five is defined. I need my rituals. I need my alone time. I have, you know, I have, don't have any individual channels, but I have a lot of individual energy. I need to be able to do things in my way. And when I start to have to be on other people's schedules or most of my energy is going to supporting other people for reasons that I feel like I'm obligated and it's not necessarily because it lights me up, it starts to really drag me down. And then the emotional wave is really going to pound me hard because I, I start to feel frustrated and resentful. And is and until I get that alone time, like a day alone at home, it's like magic. <laughs> it's a reset. So the crucial thing is to, to figure out what it is that you need and find some way to give it to yourself. Like even if it's just sitting outside in the grass for 10 minutes under the sun and that's all you have time for in your day, but really just putting your phone aside and enjoying that moment whatever it is that really will help you reset and come back to yourself. I think we have to, to do that for ourselves. Sure. We want more time. Sure. We want more money to do other things, but there's always something, there's always something that we can do. Even if it's just like barely scratching the surface of what we need, but we can do that thing. That's going to keep us from tipping over the edge completely. There's got to be a starting point and there's always an alternative to whatever we think that we need. There's always some other option that's going to work out fine as well. Sometimes I just need to lay in bed and scroll on my phone. Sometimes I just need to cry. Sometimes I need to go exercise. You know, it depends. But if I'm, if I, you know, you kind of know, you know what it is that you need and you just have to do it. You have to give yourself permission to follow through on that. Yeah. Yeah. I, you, in my experience as well, you just get so much better at listening to yourself. Like mm -hmm. initially it's really difficult for you to trust that this thing or like, you know, whatever it is for you is actually going to help you because you already have a list in your head of what are the things to do, you know, or, you know, there's this, this set menu of in every sphere of your life, right, which is just conditioning, which has just been fed to us. And when you start to take those initial steps into like, actually, this feels good for me, you know, and you do it just a little bit, and you just watch your body relax. And it gets easier over a period of time, even though it gets more and more crazy. Like mm -hmm. in my experience, the things that relax me and the things that really bring me joy are, I mean, I'm just a big time nerd, you know, and people find that exhausting. And I can understand why people would find that exhausting, right? But for me to just, with my open head, just listen to someone that I find inspiring and watch my Ajna just go on this whole like track of making sense of it and putting things in order just being able to witness that while I'm being super passive on my bed is the biggest joy of my life 
And again, when I talk about this, like when I meet people, like, what do you do for fun? I just am kind of a nerd, you know? I just don't do... It looks like I don't do a lot, but I'm just thinking a lot. And it just brings me so much joy. And people just are like, huh? What? Like, what do you do for fun? I think for fun. <laughs> you know? yeah. That's that's it. And it can look so different. Like you said, it can be just... I mean, if you if you have a, you know a body that's designed to be in landscapes like for example a mountains environment wow just being out in nature or just being like a little bit higher up and being able to observe brings so much relaxation to me and I know like from being around people like for example my mom she's markets environment she just thrives in hardscape she just thrives where there's exchange happening and where there's a lot of people and you know so it looks really like self-care looks so different for each one of us and it's just so important to to start to really like shut out the noise and just like you said you just know you know what you need in that moment and to just trust yourself enough to do that and I think the trust builds too Right. I'm at, at that point in my journey where I don't like no matter how crazy the thing that I want to do is or, you know, it, it, I never question myself like, should I, should I not? It's just like, yeah, this is this is what I'm going for. And, you know, this is this process of becoming your own authority. It doesn't happen immediately, but it is something that gets stronger and stronger and stronger and ultimately you find yourself at a certain point where it's like regardless of what's happening in life I can trust myself and I think the bottom line of design is this it is about becoming your own authority it is about getting to a place where regardless of what the world is feeding you and regardless of what the norm is and regardless of what is expected you can trust yourself you know yes and that's key that's that's such a beautiful place to be in because you know life is gonna do what life does it's like you said it's gonna take you down under and it's gonna bring you up and what finding trust within yourself does is that it really really helps you enjoy the process I think Mm -hmm. that's really beautiful about it because it is about the process. It isn't about, like you said, becoming enlightened or being awake or reaching a certain level of awareness. Or you know, it, it really isn't about that. It's about being able to be yourself wherever you are and being able to trust yourself wherever you are. And mm-hmm. again, some days you can do it better than others, but it's such a beautiful process to be on. And when you fall in love with that journey then it it just stops being about anything that you can gain from life or anything that you can gain from people. You know, it just becomes by itself a deeply spiritual existence. It's And you could be doing the most materialistic things. You could be engaged in like running a business. You, I mean, all of it, right? But mm-hmm. if it's really coming from a deeply truthful place within you, then there's just something really really beautiful about that and it's not just you that enjoy your own process then what I also witness is it's such a joy to be around someone who trusts themselves yes it's and you just feel so empowered by how much they trust themselves right and it's 
it's not even about exchanging words and you know this is what kind of makes me realize when when you know ra talks about raves and how they're not even going to need language they're going to be able to communicate uh without language and i i sometimes when i find myself interacting with certain people who are or, or just being around certain people who just trust themselves and who are just doing their own thing i get a sense of what that would be like like it's just you don't have to say anything to me and i don't have to say anything to you and i just feel like life is a joy when mm. even even if it's like the shittiest circumstance you know and that's that's really really beautiful so i think what i want to move to now is a little bit about sleeping phoenix publishing i'm really really excited to hear all about it first of all let's start with the conception of it how i mean i know the story just a little bit but i would love to hear um yeah how you just got started and where you are with building it and what are the updates like what's happening so sleeping phoenix publishing oh my gosh i started thinking about we needing the existence of a publishing company de devoted to human design a few years ago and when i created human design commons the beginning of 2021 i kind of had in my mind to have a publishing house as part of that project and then things happened with human design commons and it things shifted and i realized that rather than human design commons being the the umbrella for all of that that the publishing house could be you know really needed to be the thing that i dedicated my focus and attention on and i could incorporate things into the company like provide things that i had an also envisioned for human design commons so i kind of like flipped the order the structure of the thing but i have always i learned to read when i was 3 i don't know about you as a 24 but i i think that we have very rich internal lives very you know rich imagination like we live we have we're good at world building in our heads and living, you know, this internal life. And so reading and watching certain movies, it's part of my reality. Like it's fiction, but it's so real in my mind that it's just a part of who I am. My favorite books, the characters in those books, they're real to me that I can feel those places and those people. So I have always loved to read and books, whenever I work with children, books has always been a huge important, like wanting to read with the children. I, when I lived in Ecuador at one point, I was volunteering at a community library that was started. And it's always been a huge focus in my life. So it makes sense now in in retrospect, I'm like, totally makes sense that I've ended up here because I remember saying to myself, I wish someone just paid me to read. <laughs> you know, like, what else do I want to do? I just want to read. Uh, it's ironic. I have an active body, but this passive brain is like, let me sit down for hours and hours and hours and just finish a whole book. 
Um, so creating a publishing company for me, it just has, there's so many component components to it. One of them being, you know, my, my love of books and my love of, you know, creating things, original things, but also I think where my need motivation comes into play is this needing to have new resources available for the human design community, because what we have is great. The source material is the source material, but there are now enough people who know about human design and who are in their experiment that it's just naturally going to start doing what the whole point is, which is to differentiate. And if we're differentiating, we need new ways of learning. We need new people to learn from. We need to be able to take human design out of theory and into practice. So what does it look like to play around with the concept of a book without it being about the human design system? What does it mean to write a book about human design without using human design language? All of the different uh, science, health, wellness, psychology, nutrition, anything that you can think of intersects with human design. So let's play around with that. I have an open head. Most of us have open heads. I fully intend to give free reign to these questions that don't matter because it's fun. It's fun to play with that. Is it, is it necessary? No, the thing in itself probably isn't necessary, but is it necessary to play? Yes. So one thing that I have very clear for human design, human design comments, <laughs> Sleeping Phoenix Publishing is that, <laughs> is that uh, I'm not going to be dogmatic about it because it can't be. If it's truly going to be differentiated, there's going to be things in there that people are like, oh, this is pop HD or whatever. Or people are going to be like, this is so dogmatic. Ugh. And that's great because there's going to be something for everyone. Nothing can be for everyone, but there's going to be a, something for you. And what's for you? Fantastic. Revel in it. And if it's something you don't like, great. Let the people who it's for enjoy it. I and I I just feel it's 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 important to state that from the beginning that this is the since the point of it is differentiation, it's not going to be homogenized. It's not going to be one kind of book. It's not going to be one kind of author. It's not going to be one genre. It's not going to be one audience. Children's books. I want to put a huge focus on children's books. And for young, you know, like young adult, I want there to be chapter books for the young readers that don't have anything directly to do with human design, but the characters in the book are obviously, you know, certain types. So a projector kid can follow their projector, you know, character in their little chapter book. And because that's how we, we learn, we learn by interacting with others. We learn by observing others. We learn by watching, you know, how other people do things. And then we get insights into ourselves by comparing and contrasting ourselves with others. 
And I think that's true for everyone. You know, the the generator way of learning about ourselves is is and the projector way of learning about yourselves through other people. We still need other people to put things into perspective. And that's why reading is so important. Like I want there to be human design fiction. It doesn't have to be all nonfiction. I really love the idea of fiction books where you can see the characters charts at the back. So while you're reading through the book, you can reference like, oh, I can see where this is coming into play. And oh, this dynamic between these two characters. Anyone who doesn't know about human design for them, it's just going to be a good book. But anyone who wants to nerd out on the human design part of it, like there's that new way of enjoying fiction while incorporating human design. I think it would be really fun to come up with, you know, how um, like book groups, some of the books you'll, you'll see questions at the back for book clubs or whatever to answer together. Well, why don't we come up with questions for these classic books? to think about them from a human design perspective. Like, what do you think this character's design is? Or, you know, at this point in time, projectors didn't exist yet. So all none of these characters could have been a projector. Like, let's put a historical perspective on things as well. There's, there's just, the possibilities are infinite and it's going to be so much fun because there's so many things that we can do. And I want people to have a way to express themselves to to create, to consume, to have more options of who we condition ourselves with because we conditioning is important. It's positive. We need conditioning. The whole point of following strategy and authority is to come across your fractal, the people that are meant to condition you. Um, and so this is just one other way of, you know, your fractal leading you to this thing that's gonna condition you in this way that wouldn't exist if the publishing house didn't exist because there would be no one to to put these voices out there. So yeah, that's Sleeping Phoenix Publishing. That's just beautiful and just such a joy to hear about it and kind of hear about how you see it and what you want it to truly stand for. And I mean... Human design is ultimately for children of, of the future, right? And right now, the way that it exists is, I mean, it's hardly for adults, in my opinion. Like, I mean, of course, it's not for everyone and that's fine. But even the adults that do get into it, it's quite technical. You have to have a lot of resources to mm -hmm. educate yourself in it and to get to a point where you can grasp it. Um, although I do see a lot of material just developing in the Maya when it comes to human design. Like I think a year ago or something, YouTube didn't have human design stuff. And now if you just type projector, like you will see so many videos and so much come up. So the Maya is kind of getting fuller of, different people talking about human design from this from their perspective and having just books come through as well is going to be such an incredible addition to to this space and like you know different people enjoy different mediums and different people take in information differently and different people can 
like it, just enjoy doing different things and taking in stuff differently and I feel like having children's book I mean you can do so much like you said even when we were talking about it beforehand I like as you came up with ideas my mind was springing up with ideas and I'm like wow if just a few people have so many things springing up inside of them just imagine what could really come through something Mm -hmm. like this a project like this and yeah I you know I was an absolute like yes this is amazing and yeah I, I I cannot wait I cannot you know even the children's book is like I cannot wait to like for me to read through that and for me to experience it uh from like I would have loved when I was younger to to have been introduced to a system like this because ultimately I think we have to remember that human design isn't like an intellectual system or a science in the sense that it is something that you're meant to live you know something that truly describes the world around us it's something that truly gives language to what is happening every single moment with us around us and in a sense it's just describing life you know that's Mm -hmm. that's how I see it and to be able to read and experience life from from all these different perspectives and from different vantage points I think that's incredible and I just cannot wait to see all of the different material that comes through and I think it would make human design way more accessible and way more digestible and of course like you said you know there's an audience for everything right there are some people that are not going to enjoy something like that, like maybe would call it, like you said, pop HD or watered down human design. And I mean, even for me, I I would say I'm someone who likes to stay close to source. And but I would still enjoy reading that. I would still enjoy like that it exists in the world. And, you know, you just don't know one thing leads to another. I got into human design from pop HD. Most of the people that I know that are in design right now that are even studying at IHDS got into it because of Pop HD. You know, like it's one thing leads to another and you just don't know, you know, if it's truly meant to mutate you and like truly transform your life at will and it'll have its own unique way of doing that. So I'm I'm really excited. And um, do you want to share a little bit about like, you know, when you're launching and maybe a little bit about the crowdfunding and how are you going about building this? Mm -hmm. So we're planning, you know, dates are always subject to change, especially when you're respecting waves and timelines and things like that. But the goal is to launch a crowdfunding campaign on August 8th, which is, you know, a week and a half from now to Tuesday. And the goal for the crowdfunding um, is dual. So the main goal is to put this out in front of the community because I want this to be community built. Like Sleeping Phoenix Publishing is a manifester and it impacted me. And it basically, when I got the inspiration, it just kind of came down and I was like, Ding. I've been informed and this, I have to do it because no choice. It's, it's just pushing me forward and I'm just gonna, you know, I'm just the vessel kind of thing. 
Um, but what it becomes depends on who's involved. It's not just about me and my vision. I'm, I'm the one who's kind of laying the groundwork, but what it becomes depends on the community. And I want to hear people's input. I want, I need to know what people want to exist in the world. I need to know who's out there. I'm a fourth line. I love the networking, but my my network is always going to be limited to who I know and the people that they know. I need new people to come into the network so that I know who's out there, whose voice you know can be lifted up, who's creating art, who's creating music, who's creating this or that that can be put together and presented beautifully to the community. So part of the 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 aim of the crowdfunding campaign is to get people involved. We need stakeholders. We need, we need to create that foundational community. And so the, the donations for that will go towards paying the advances for those of you authors who are already, you know, like writing away and we're so excited to publish next year so that we can pay the advances and really get the ball rolling. And the way that we're doing that is by presenting our first product, which is the Human Design Moon Journal, which I'm very excited about because the moon transits so quickly each day that there's really nothing out there. You can find calendars online that will tell you what's going on, but it's not something that we really focus on because we're like, eh, it's the second, third transit of the day. But the open head is like, but how can we play with that information? How can we incorporate that? How can we keep track of that better and see if there's any patterns that emerge or like, how can we play with this? And there's so many different ways that the moon impacts us. For those of us who have menstrual cycles, it's totally related to our cycle. Like it's this whole spiralic thing. There's so many different kinds of spirals for emotional beings, for manifestors who have creative urges and, and rest phases um, for reflectors who have their lunar cycle. We've created this journal as a way to kind of play with cycles, to play with the the lunar transits, to actually have somewhere that you can see each and every transit for the day, for the moon, the sun, the earth, and the moon. And there's a few prompts at the top. And the way we've designed the journal is for it to be flexible use. We don't, there are certain things that are going to appeal to certain people, but we don't want that to be an exclusive factor. Like I'm not going to use it because there are fertility charting charts at the back of the journal for those who know how to do that. And, you know, want, think it's really cool to have all of that in one place. And also for the people who might be interested to learn about what it is and why it's important. But for those who feel it's completely irrelevant to their lives, well, then they just can just ignore that part of it. But yeah, we it's it the the Moon Journal was born during a conversation with a group of women who we got together to talk about human design in the context of you know sexuality and and our menstrual cycles. And someone in the group said, "Wouldn't it be interesting to see if there are any correlations with the Moon transits? Because you know we." If you're cycling, you tend to know, well, I start to bleed on when the moon is full, when it's, you know, when it's a new moon or somewhere in between. But what about the transits? Does it move so fast that we can't really pick out any patterns? But we're not going to know unless we try it and find out. 
And I said, okay, well, let's make a journal and see if we can find out. And um, so it was, the idea came in that context, but then we swiftly realized, you know, we want this to be, uh, we want anyone to feel like they can use this journal. So we tried to design it in a way where the daily journal pages have something to prompt the people who need a bit of prompting. Um, but for the people who want to draw instead of write, there's a blank space. You can do what you want with it. You can write, you can draw. If you're one of those people who just cannot think of what to say, unless you have something to respond to, well, we've got some very simple prompts that you know hopefully are enough to, to get you writing something else on the page or drawing or whatever. And the other cool thing that we thought of for this journal is uh, going back to the concept of time, the rave year doesn't start on January 1st. We're split up into quarters and each quarter has its godheads. And so we've decided to divide this journal up by quarters and by godheads. So as you're flipping through for that day, like as you flip through the year, you're like, now we're in quarter one. Now we're in Kali day, 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 day. And now we're, and it's, I think it's going to be really interesting to, as we use the journal throughout the year to be able to see that, okay, we're in this quarter. Here's a piece of art that represents this Godhead. And, and I can start to kind of assimilate information about what this Godhead actually means for me, because the idea is for each year, a different artist to do the art for the Godhead. So even through the art that's going to change every year and seeing how someone else interprets that is a new way for us to have a concept of these themes for the godheads this conditioning that they're putting on us during these certain times of the year and that it's just so much going on that we can play with that i'm really excited about it so the crowdfunding campaign what we're 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 selling the journal because we want the journal to exist, of course, but it's our first product that we're putting out and it's helping to raise the money to then pay for the advances for the other authors that we want to publish for the next year to get that ball rolling so that we can keep publishing more and more and more and more according to what the community says that they want. Take my money. <laughs> I'm already <laughs> paying for the moon journal. And you know, it's just uh I cannot tell you just how good that feels in my system to hear that. Because you know, I growing up used to read a decent amount and also write ever since I was very little. And you know, I have this huge library of books. And now when I look at them, I'm like gosh, like I, I would love to have some beautiful like human design books and journals and board games. And I, I you, there's so much that, that can exist. And I just cannot wait to have a human design library and like have these collectible items that I can flip through, that I can work with, but it's also really inspiring. Like I mean, it's just music to my ears with the different artworks and having like differentiated beings contribute in their own unique way and watching all of this different life force just show up. And yeah, that just sounds incredible. And like, yeah, take my money, send me the journal <laughs> as soon as possible. And I also just 
cannot wait to um see what else comes through and i love i love the idea of it being something that is crowdfunded that you build with you know with your network with the people in the system because yeah there's just there's just something about you know like a generator building step by step by step and you being a fourth line with your network and and having the people be involved i think that's huge you know a big being a collective being myself i think a big mistake that the collective makes or or larger groups make is that in the process of kind of working with the pattern or in the process of trying to make a larger concept or thing come to life they forget that it's for the people and you know their feedback is just so deeply valuable and mm-hmm. i love that you know the community that the people get to be a part of it they get to participate in it through unique ways and you can talk a little bit more about that if you want to uh mm-hmm. how how they can participate and what more are you thinking about um but it's it's really cool that they get to be involved that they get to give feedback that they get to grow it with you that they get to be impacted by sleeping phoenix publishing and and then just be part of the process i think that makes it so much more fun for us writers as well you know cuz yeah. i want to hear what what's going on with people i want to hear what they what they want i want to hear what they're enjoying i want to be involved with them as i'm even writing the book you know yeah one of the things that well one of the things that we're doing we're probably going to do crowdfunding campaigns for the first few books that come out and one of the things that we've decided to do is to create a VIP group in, in Facebook. So you can opt in for one pound. The company is registered in the UK, so everything is in pounds. You opt in for a pound, and then you will get invited into this Facebook group where we can interact directly as a group and you know bounce ideas off of each other. If there's something new coming down the line, we can be like, you know, we have this idea for this. Uh, what do you think about it? What, what, if you had your wish list, what are the human design books that you would love to exist? Like, tell us about it. So it's a, it's a way to interact with each other. I'm using a lot of analogies with the fireplace and fire because the, the tagline for Sleeping Phoenix Publishing is books for a world on fire, because as we change frequencies, it kind of feels like the world is the structures are falling apart behind us and things are catching on fire, but also like when things are on fire, it means like, it's good. It's strong. It's like, you can feel it. So there's that dual aspect of it. And I, but I want it to feel like it's literally a house where people can come in. They're invited to come in, sit down by the fireplace, have a cup of tea, like a cozy inviting environment where we're the, uh, environment for Sleeping Phoenix Publishing is kitchens. So it's like, we need that alchemy. We need to be creating something together. Um, And this VIP group, I think is a great way to do that, to be able to have conversations with each other. And um, so that's easy. You can subscribe to the newsletter. And then from there on the website, it will lead you into the, where you can opt in to be a VIP. Um, 
And another aspect of that that really excites me is because I want to be conscious of how certain people write according to aspects of their design. When people are reading according to their design, what works best? So when I was talking about the moon journal having a blank space, but still something for people to respond to, like we don't want it. It's not going to be perfect for everyone. We just again, want there to be at least a little bit of something that's going to work for people so that then they can kind of take it and run with it in their own fashion. But for example, like right brain, right mind needs less structure when they're creating something, but left, left, they're kind of probably see that blank part of the page and be like, shit, like, what do I do with this? So it's coming up with ways to create in a in a way that isn't necessarily exclusive. Like it's not gonna just work for you know right brain, right mind, or it's just gonna work for left brain, you know, left mind. But we are conscious of there are different needs. So the books, we need to have audio versions of the books for the people who are very auditory. Um when there is like, how, how do I support a right, right author? Like who's pulling that information out of you? What do you need as a writer to be able to write? And I actually want you to answer that question. Like, would you, could you answer that? Can you talk about your process of writing? It's, it's been a wild journey because like I said, ever since I was little I have been <clears throat> writing I think I told you about this when I was I don't even know like maybe in fourth or fifth grade and of course I had a huge bunch of friends I'm a two four and I would spend <clears throat> all day in school with them and then go back home and I used to have a blog uh, and I used to write about my day and I used to write about the stories and what I felt was inspiring about the person and it's so funny to look back to now I would always recognize people in my blog posts like what I saw in them and what I appreciated and what felt real for me and you know over a period of time I had this collection of recognition uh, of people and ever since then you know and of course, I shared it with my friends and they felt so recognized and they felt so loved on. Um, ever since then, I always had this feeling of I'm going to write. And of course, if you're writing so naturally from a young age, you know, I'm a two four. It's just something that's that's within me, you know, being able to look outside and being able to use words to to paint a picture. And of course, I can see how my logical process has evolved. Because when you're little, there's there's not that much logic to work with, right? But logic yeah. is something that really builds over time. And so now when I find myself writing, it just looks really different. And like you said, with the right, right, um, you know, right mind, right brain, it's at first when when I when I got the invitation from you, it was it was a yes from the get-go but of course I took my time to to do what I needed to do and you know there were parts of me that were like I my inner vision had seen this happening all my life I knew I was going to be writing books I knew that this was going to happen 
and I was just waiting for the call, you know. And when the call came and I soundboarded about it and then we communicated about this. First, while like a few months that I don't remember correctly were just crickets. You know, like I said, okay, I'm going to do this, but nothing happened, you know, nothing moved. And there was a part of me that was, that started to get really insecure about, do I even have something to say? Do I even have something to offer? You know, that's, that's something I feel like rightness struggles with a lot because there is, there is so much that I have absorbed over a period of time, but unless and until someone really pulls it out of me, or I find, or I get inspired by something, it doesn't mm-hmm. come through. And so I did go through this like long phase of feeling like, oh shit, like maybe actually I can't write books. Like I can't seem to even put like one word down. Uh, but eventually, naturally, there was this time when, you know, I had the idea drop in and quickly my Ajna was just organizing it and putting it together and uh, then nothing happened you know I, I I organized it mentally what it was going to be how I was going to put it together and that's it and then it was crickets again I'm like oh shit like <laughs> it was so difficult for me to just kind of sit with that and keep moving on with my life and always having this insecurity within myself like I've said yes but am I even capable of writing it you know because nothing seems to be coming through. And I did have these moments of trying to like sit in front of the computer and like type something up. And it was just resistance in my body, just resistance. And so then I was like, okay, I'm just going to surrender. I'm just going to not worry about it, not consciously think about it. I'm just going to see if it happens. Great. If it doesn't happen, we'll see, you know. Uh, And then a little bit later, I found myself just a few days, weeks, I don't even remember. I found myself like just opening up the Word document and just typing away for days, for days. I think I wrote down like maybe 30,000 words or something in, in, in one go. And I was in disbelief myself because I was like, wow, where, where did all of this come from? And, and it was so well organized and, you know, it, it it was me on on paper, and now it's been two months, and I haven't written a word again. So <laughs> I'm like, am I ever gonna complete this? Is this is this ever gonna become a thing? But I think it's been a huge exercise of just trusting myself, trusting my body, trusting that my authority said yes to this invitation for a reason. When I close my eyes, I can see many books that that I've written. You know, it's it's just there. And it's just one of those things that I have to just allow it to become what it needs to become when it needs to become it. And I just have to witness it. You know, I just have to let it flow through me instead of making it happen instead of trying to like put it down in a certain specific way because even the organization that I came with initially and that's a huge thing with understanding circuit is that it really has this process of refinement to it and Mm -hmm. so 
I find myself like even what I have written, it just keeps evolving and evolving and shifting. And I know that's very natural for probably all of us and all, mm-hmm. all, all writers, logical or not. But I really do see this process of slowly refining it, perfecting it. And then, and again, I am like predominantly Ajna binary as well. So there is this I'm with it when I'm with it and then I, I get away from it and then I'm I'm on it, right? And so it's been really cool to witness my own design through this writing process mm-hmm. and be able to meet myself with comfort, you know, at first, not so much, but now being in that place where I'm like, yeah, it's it's coming through me, it's happening through me and it's almost like it's it's an art piece that, that is creating itself and through my life force and I I'm just watching it and I I just feel honestly so recognized and so like it just feels it feels right it feels like a calling it feels like it's my it's the little girl's dreams coming true finally you know having had that vision since I was very little and now getting to that point where I really get to share like collective circuitry understanding so there's this deep desire to share there is this deep desire to clarify things there is this deep desire to and again I'm motivated by gate to condition people with what I think is yeah. is correct for people to be conditioned with of course if it's right for them but yeah, I have to say it's been one of the most transformative like invitations for me. And I also have to say, I felt such a huge shift in my direction since that invitation. And so I could really see that the the cross, you know, like your cross just <laughs> come through in such a big way. And I think I was talking about it a few days ago where it's like, I really did feel like this invitation kind of put my life in a certain direction that it's almost like I was waiting since so like decades for that direction to come to me and now it has and now it feels like I'm just in the process of of it so yeah that's a little bit about (laughs) my process so far yeah I for me so far uh, I don't know what else is at play, but certainly the 4426. But it's it's been like watching people in my network. And then I, maybe it's a bit of touch as well. I don't know. It's just this knowing. I'm like, you, this, yes. That's what has to be. That's what's waiting. You are perfect to do this let's do it. It's very like, I just know I see someone. I'm like, this person has this vibe. They're perfect to write this kind of book. And I can see it. Like I get the visual of it. And so that's like, I was like, Ragya can write a book about the system in a way that people can really understand what it is like she's gonna really lay it out in a way in her way that people are gonna be like oh that makes so much sense and it feels so good like it feels supportive yet still really close to source 
that's that's what I want her to write <laughs> and it's so funny you know because when I do read the words that I have down and I do have this unconscious throat and it's 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 so fascinating for me to be able to read just what I wrote and just the amount of detail that is in it because you know it's so unconscious for me like I really did not know that I have this much detail to offer like I, I can tell you like I was so surprised because I wrote so many thousand words and I only touched like two topics really that I wanted to touch and I have a whole list of things that I want to go through right and again just just witnessing the uniqueness that came through and again it's going to become what it's going to become and we'll see what it is but yeah just watching that was like wow like if if you know this is something that's coming through me I'm so excited to see what's going to come through some someone else's life force and then someone else's life force and like I'm just really really excited for this publishing house to exist for it to exist the way in which it is existing and in which it is starting how it is building up like everything about it just feels really good in my system and I can just see that this is something that's absolutely needed. This is something that's going to be totally supportive, empowering. And it's just going to like not only empower people to, to live their experiment, to, I mean, it's going to provide tools for to support them through it. It's going to offer them clarity. It's going to, you know, create this community that can be a huge asset as well. I mean, so many of us feel so lonely in our yeah. journey and of course we are alone in it there's no doubt in that and that is that is something that we realize too but it just feels so good to have a space where you can just have fun you know you can be serious if you want to be serious like you can talk mechanics if you want to talk mechanics you can be really creative if you really want to and you can just you know have banter with people because there is this feeling that I, I have. It's like, I want to have so much banter with people, but I don't have them around me, you know? And again, we do have our little like Instagram spaces and everything, but it would be just so nice to be in a community, especially as a fourth line, just looking at what people are saying, hearing about, you know, what their feedback is, having different writers share what they want to share from their uniqueness. Like, I feel like it's going to be such a deeply enriching experience and such a deeply enriching project to be a part of. So I'm really excited for you and I'm really excited for the human design community. And I'm just really excited for for people to, to have this, you know, um, for them to experience it. So yeah, just... <laughs> I feel so much satisfaction right now hearing you say all of those things. My my sacral's all revved up. I'm like, yes. <laughs> Pleasure, excitement, all of it. Yes. Because I do, I think if it came through me, it's because I can feel that that's what the community needs. We're we're thirsty for it. We're ready for it. Like that, it's it's what's coming through. With the, we've reached that critical mass. And so now like we're all feeling it. It's time. It's time for this. We're ready. So let's make it together. Let's let's just do it. Let's have fun. Yeah. yeah, for sure. For sure. It is the time is ripe, you know. It's it's 
I mean, the number of people in design has just shot up. And I can just see every single day too, more and more people coming into this space. I'm not surprised with the pressure building up to 2027. We're moving into a world where, you know, we're going to have to be very empowered in our individuality. And that is the thing that is going to support us. And that is the thing that is going to show us which way for us, like which is the way forward for us. And, you know, it is it is huge to have all of these resources available to you at this point of time yeah. for preparation, for support, and of course, then to share it with the future generation in unique, creative ways from when they're young. And, you know, I've been getting a lot of feedback from, I mean, there are a lot of mothers that, you know, that come to me that talk about like, how do I share this with my child? And, you know, how do I support my child with this? And how do I empower my child with this? And I feel like this is going to be such an incredibly valuable space and resource, you know, mm-hmm. um, for them. And there's so many, like I can see with your need, like with your need motivation, just it really showing up because, and I have wanting views. So I can just see all of the things that are really, really needed right now. And I feel like this this publishing company, as well as the space you're creating in the community you're creating with it can, can really just start to fill that space and and be incredibly powerful and supporting and, and impactful. So I cannot say it enough. I'm stoked for you. I mean, even if I wasn't writing, even if I wasn't a part of it, like I would still be on the sidelines being like, yes, this is what we need. And it's incredible that that you're doing this. So do you have other team members? And, you know, I'm I'm sure you do because it's it's not a one person job, but it's not a one person job. (laughs) Yeah. Um Christina Irvin, who's also one of the authors, she's been helping me a lot to get the the content and, you know, the email marketing and all of that social media stuff that I feel really kind of lazy about or on my own personal Instagram, just like I show a photo that I want to show and I don't even feel like putting words with it. Like, I just want to show you the visual thing that I thought was nice and you can interpret it however you want. So Social media for me is, I think for a lot of us, it's really hard to be consistent when you have to feed the algorithm in order to get the word out when it's really important to get the word out. So she has been a huge blessing. Um, Esther Patricia, she's been my partner in the beginning. She's going to be an editor um, and helping with the website and other design aspects Um, And then we'll see, like, as time goes on, we'll need to collaborate with a lot more people. I have my long-term vision is to create um, different imprints in different languages. If there's enough demand, I would really love to do that to start printing directly in Spanish and German um, and then translating those between the languages. So I I do have really long-term big vision goals to work up to and that would require you know whole whole teams in a in a language so um but right now those are the core people and of course Bree Maxson who's co-designing the the journal with me and 
the authors, you among them, who are going to be the first that we publish. And then this is the call. This is the invitation. This is the, you know, shout out something to respond to, or, you know, initiate with me. If you want to be involved, you know, think about it. Um, this is the call to action to become part of that community. So we can make this reality because I really, I really do believe it's important to, to start something from the ground up whenever possible. There's, you know, kind of a meet in the middle thing about it, but if there's no community involvement, if there's no community interest, well, it's just going to fall flat on his face. Nothing's going to happen. But the fun part about it is building something and see where it goes. Like who has this idea that I hadn't thought of or how, when we talk about it, we all figure out that we want the same thing. So let's do it because there's so many of us have had the same thought and we want to make the same thing. It's just so much more fun if we do it as a community. So I do need more team members and everyone in the human design community. I'm inviting them to be on my team, on our team to do this together. Come have a little cup of tea with me <laughs> in the publishing house. And yeah, let's get cozy and have some fun and have some really good, interesting, serious conversations, but some really silly ones too. Yeah, I love that so much. I'm going to be sharing the links down below of the website and you can go be part of the VIP um, area and then let's see where this goes and how this grows. I, for one, am excited, as excited as a projector can be. <laughs> <laughs> but I already feel this feeling of it's the right time. This is what's needed. It's missing. It can be deeply helpful, deeply empowering. And I'm just excited to be a part of it. So thank you for inviting me. And, you know, ultimately, no choice. I guess it had to come through you. And, you know, whatever is going to come after that is is also set out in some way because yeah it's it's time for people to be themselves it's time for them to not live in fear it's time for them to trust themselves it's time for them to go on their unique path it's time for them to you know not not stay stuck with what doesn't work for them you know, mm -hmm. or what feels deeply limiting. It's time for freedom. It's time to burn down all of the structures that feel like they're constraining us. And yeah, education is a huge part of it. It's a huge, huge, huge part of it. So thank you, Megan. I love this conversation and I'd love to hear some parting words if you have anything to share or... Yeah, anything that's been in your awareness. Gosh, that there's probably so many things in my awareness that it's hard to pick pick one thing out to share. Um maybe if you ask me a yes or no question, I can launch off from there into something else. I can think of a tangent to do you want to talk about 2027? Ooh, 2027. So my feeling about 2027. I kind of get feelings about things and then later the information comes to kind of explain why I had the feeling about the thing. When we talk about Sleeping Phoenix and everything switching over to the individual, um, 
I believe that what we're talking about in individuality is not me, myself, and I. I'm on my own. I'm doing my own thing. It's not individuality as we have seen it over the past decade or two. It means that I feel safe to be me in my community. I can be who I am without fearing that the rules, the laws, the restrictions, the norms, the traditions of my community are going to threaten to kick me out if I don't conform. To me, 2027 means that we're going to go back to being more local. We're going to go back to being more in-person. We're going to go back to living more in community. And we're going to be able to do so while respecting each other's differences and figuring out how we can work as a community to really leverage those differences. Who's good at this? How can we support someone who's not so good at this so that they can dedicate themselves to doing what they're really good at? You know how, and um, it's going to take a lot of work because that's a lot of emotional intelligence, uh, a lot of relational intelligence that we have yet to develop as a society. We're still working on that part of it, but that's what a shift is. It's that transition too. So I think we have that to look forward to. I think it's going to be a difficult and uncomfortable process in the beginning to make that change, but it also feels deeply supportive and like a huge opportunity at the same time. So when I think of 2027, that's what I think of. Yeah, I love that. You know, as you were speaking, I kind of had this vision of us right now in this time in, in cross of planning, being like um, tethered to like larger systems. You know, it seems like we're we're all kind of have a string attached to something that's way too big and inflated, right? And 2027 is just gonna like bring us like our circle and our I don't know what the word really for it is. It's just that instead of it being instead of it being really spread out, like our life and our awareness, and it's gonna become like where am I now? Who am I with? You know, what feels real for me? What feels true for me? What is my contribution to make as myself in this space? And how can I recognize others and what their contribution is and honor that? And of course, you know, discomfort is definitely going to be a part of that. Change is never easy. Uh, and all of us gain perspective on that always retrospectively like of course you know some of us can expect certain things but I really don't think that it's it's going to be what we're going to expect I think it's going to look so different in so many different places too like that's another thing that I think about I think we think when we think of the shift we think that oh like we're going to move slowly move away from community and the the larger collective tribal system but how that's actually going to look depending on where you are and who you're with is also going to be so different. So mm -hmm. yeah, both like 
really excited um, for it and also nervous about it. And I think that's pretty much a, a sentiment that a, a lot of people share. So yeah. yeah, really, really excited about the shift. It's, it is exciting on some level. It is like, wow, we're going to experience the world differently and we're going to experience our role in it differently. And, you know, most of us are anyway like really tired of being part of this larger system that just doesn't work for us. Like we work for it tirelessly, you know, against our own nature. We are struggling with so many illnesses and diseases because of what the norm is. So part of me is like really excited about not playing into that. And of course, part of me still like has already withdrawn from that, you know, um and so it's exciting it's exciting for me to think that you know people are going to begin to withdraw from offering their life force for the development of something that doesn't actually serve us and and starting to offer that life force for creating a world even if it's smaller even if it's not as organized even if it doesn't have as many amenities but at least like what you're offering is truly giving you something back is giving you back your satisfaction or your success or your, you know, your uh, peace or your surprise, whatever it is. Right. So I'm excited for that world. I'm really looking forward for, even if it's going to be like a world of like five people or 10 people or whatever it is, you know, like I'm excited for my Penta to be like really themselves and to find love in the process of being alive yes so, I think those are the beautiful closing words <laughs> <laughs> yeah I absolutely love this conversation and yeah thank you so much for joining me and thank you so much for sharing so candidly and I'm going to put all your details down below as well perfect and yeah thank you